Bienvenidos. Welcome to the Learn Spanish con Salsa Podcast, the show for Spanish learners that love music, travel, and culture. Close your grammar textbooks, shut down the language apps, and open your ears to how Spanish is spoken in the real world. Let us show you how to go from beginner to bilingual. Here is your host, certified language coach, Tamara Mari. Hola, queridos oyentes. Bienvenidos al episodio 74. Welcome to episode 74 of the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast. This episode is part two of my conversation with Carolina, the host of Tres Cuentos Podcast. And if you heard last week's episode in Espanol and you are more of a beginner, uh, this episode is for you. So this is a conversation with Carolina in English. And we talk a little bit more about her language learning journey as to how she became fully bilingual. And I really hope that her story will inspire you if you're still struggling or still striving, I should say, to really become fluent in both languages, Carolina's story is really inspiring and I want you to listen to some of the lessons that she learned and some of the things that she had to do to persevere learning to speak English fluently um, when she moved to the United States. So we delve a little bit more into her language learning journey in this episode and we also talk about a particular story that's well known throughout different countries in Latin America uh, and in fact might be a little controversial because Every country sort of claims it as their story. So Carolina will talk a little bit about that also in this conversation. So I know you will enjoy part two of my conversation with Carolina Quiroga from Tres Cuentos. Hi, Carolina. Thank you so much for joining me on the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. Thank you, Tamara, for having me. Carolina, tell us a little bit about you, uh, where you're from, and what you do for a living. Well, I am from Cali, Colombia, and I've been here for about seven years in the United States. Uh, I am a storyteller performer. I'm also an author. I published my first book last year, and I'm also a podcaster. I have a bilingual storytelling podcast. What do you like about living in the United States? I know it's probably a lot different from being in Colombia. So what are the some of the differences you noticed when you first moved here? Oh, my God. <laughs> Don't let me start it. <laughs> um, so I came to the I came to Tennessee, actually. Uh, that was a big shock. I remembered that when I went to the embassy in Bogota the, to get my student visa, the guy, uh, he, uh, he asked me, have you been in the United States? And I said, yes, I've been in, you know, in Miami. I've been in New York. And, and he said, and you're going to Johnson City, Tennessee. And I'm like, yep. And he's like, and you've never been there. Nope. Okay. Well, that is very different. And I was like, I don't get it. I mean, whatever, man. And so, yeah. When I landed, it was um, January the 6th, I remember, to 2012. And I, in Colombia, we don't have uh, seasons like here, the four seasons. But if you go to a different city, the climate will change. So in Cali, most of the year is um, hot 
and what we call the rainy season, uh, what we call winter is actually a rainy season. And it just gets a little chilly, but not, not really. So I've never been, um, it, I've never experienced winter before. And I arrived in the middle of Tennessee and winter. It was horrible. I've never seen the snow. And you know, in all the, the movies that you see, you see that when people for the first time see the snow, it's like a revelation. I don't know, it's like the, the, the heavens open and it's like amazing or something like that, you know? No, I hated it. I mean, I thought it was the most horrible thing ever because I mean, it was terribly cold. So I just couldn't appreciate how I mean, in that moment, I just couldn't. And I came with my dad and my dad was acting like a little boy and he was like throwing snow at me. And I, I just, I just couldn't help it. I was just so mad. It, it took me a while to adapt and English there was, wow, it was a challenge. When I came here, like you have to, I took a, a test um, in order to get to the university. It's like a... English proficiency test and, and it said that my English was pretty good pretty decent so yeah of course you can apply to a master's degree blah 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 when I came here and I landed in Tennessee oh my god I was like I don't know English I just couldn't understand what they were saying and it was very frustrating and I mean I got pretty depressed at first uh, I, I just wanted to go back it, it was very rough at first uh, if it wasn't for the, you know, friends that I made, and a lot of them were from Latin America, so that that helped. But it, it was a rough transition because I had learned Span English. I'm sorry, with people that, you know, had been here before, or maybe were uh, English speakers, but for some reason their accents were not that strong. I also had been listening to a lot of audios from the BBC and, you know, English, um, British English. So those guys do articulate quite well. <laughs> and of course, in Tennessee, I was like, oh, Lord. It's very different in the South. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And the only thing that got me through or, or I learned quickly was to watch people, watch their lips and watch their gestures. Um, and that that helped me a lot helped me a lot to understand what they were saying because a lot of times I had to say what, what ask like what <laughs> and, and of course people get frustrated because they're like ah oh. people don't like repeating things it, it was a learning curve so I would say that I did not like the winter and I still don't <laughs> I'm with you. I don't like the winter either. And I grew up with four seasons and I still don't like the winter. <laughs> so I, I'm with you. But later we moved to Texas and Texas was just, I mean, Texas is another world and uh, it was amazing. I just loved it. And, and that's when I learned to appreciate the United States quite a bit. Texas, I mean, it, it's like its own country there and it has so much culture. And, and that's when I knew, okay, this is the United States. I mean, you, you find people from everywhere around the world. This is it. And so besides the, I guess, 
the transition from getting used to sort of how people speak in Tennessee versus like Miami or New York. Was there anything else about learning English that made it difficult for you? When I was in Colombia, if if I was going to go speak English, I, I would only do it uh, when I'm going into class. And that was it. That was a big challenge to a point that my brain would get so tired and I would have these headaches. And I remembered I was in my last year and I was supposed to do this practicum hours in which I, I, I had to go to see to museums or school classes and then um, tell stories in the classroom. So I, I, I remember this weekend I was exhausted and I, I, and I had to do like 40 hours of storytelling to pass that whole class. And it's the weekend and I had to tell stories at a museum. My audience was, were little children. They were from like five years old to nine. And so they're sitting right there in front of me and their parents came, dropped them off and left. So of course I had wow. no help. So I'm telling the story and in the middle of a story, I see their kids' faces and they look completely lost. And I'm trying to understand why. And then something in the back of my head said, you're speaking Spanish. Well, yeah, I had been speaking Spanish for, I don't know, probably two, three minutes. I don't know. I've been telling the story. My brain was so tired that it switched to Spanish. And the kids had no idea. I mean, they were still looking at me, but they were like, there's something off, lady. And I just don't get it. Because, <laughs> of course, little kids cannot tell the difference between, you know, one language and the other one. They're just like, I'm just not getting it. Well, I was able to go back to English, but it took me a little while because I, in my head I was having this conflict of like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I mean, I'm panicking. And like, how do I go back to English? How, how? And I was like, pick a word, pick a word. And, and I'm trying to find a word. And finally I got a word and then I was back into the story in English. That was one of the biggest challenges. And I had to get a tutor. And the funny thing is that my tutor was Russian. So a different accent altogether. <laughs> yes. So what would you say, because I know you also had some experience learning French before, and you've, you mentioned sort of your struggles with English. And by the way, um, that story is hilarious. I was just thinking about you sitting there with those kids looking at you and you not realizing that you're speaking in Spanish. And I, I always I would call that like hashtag bilingual problems, right? It's like you can switch between languages sometimes or, or you forget a word in one language, like in the middle of a sentence, because you're just like switching between the two can, can be a mental exercise if you're not used to it. So what would you say to someone who's listening to this podcast? They're learning Spanish and are feeling like, you know, maybe a little discouraged or maybe frustrated. There's things that they know they're just not getting or there's mistakes that they make quite a bit or they just know they're not as fluent as they want to be right now. Um, with your experiences with learning English and a little bit with French, could you? what would you say to someone who feels like sometimes they might want to just give up? Like, what would you say to encourage them to keep going forward and, and maybe something that helped you push forward uh, as you were learning English? I would say forgive yourself every time. Uh, there's a lot of people that are, are very judgmental. I mean, with themselves and or to others. I met so many people that were constantly correcting me. And 
when you encounter these kind of people that are in, in like all the time jumping on you to you know let you know that you made a mistake or that you're not saying it correctly uh, that tends to discourage you it discouraged me many times a lot of times i was like i'm just not getting this uh, maybe i'm never gonna do it like this but what i realized is that i just need to forgive myself it's not a big deal and then i met my husband he is from tennessee he's english speaker and sometimes i would ask him like how do you say this or did you understand this and he would say oh, carolina please a lot of people that speak english they they made a lot of mistakes and a lot of people don't even know a lot of these things uh, so come on so that helped me realize that even if you're a native speaker they will make mistakes too when they're talking when they're writing so if they are making mistakes it's okay if you are doing it too because at least you are putting in the time and the effort and the desire to learn a second language that to me was like uh, the big thing and, and i still make lots of mistakes and sometimes people jump and correct me and i'm like okay thanks and i just move on if i will get it i didn't get it today i'll do it better tomorrow that's totally fine with me plus language like humans is evolving constantly and now that this country and many other countries are like so diverse the fact that other people from other cultures and and they are bringing their own languages and those languages are mixing with with english so english by itself it's a language that already has a lot of uh, words from other cultures and languages and it's gonna keep growing and building and so it's fine we're in this together everything is changing it's evolving and you just forgive yourself and you know keep doing it because in the end we're all learning Yeah, you know what, and I'm, and I'm so glad you said that because I always tell people that language is a part of culture. It's not this thing you learn in a vacuum. It's not separate from the people that speak it. And you're right, it is always evolving. So I think it's important to recognize that. And like you said, forgive yourself You know, for your mistakes. Native speakers make mistakes too. I know I make mistakes in English all the time. <laughs> Probably I don't speak perfectly. Um, I don't speak with perfect grammar in English all the time. So it's definitely not my expectation with um, learning another language as well. So thank you so much for that. And hopefully, you know, it encourages somebody hearing your story about how, you know, your attitude about it is just, you know, I'll get it right next time. And I think that's a great attitude to have so that you can really persevere because learning the language, it, it's a, it's a journey. So you have to sort of have some tough skin if you're going to make it through to the other side. And so getting back to talking a little bit more about culture, because I know you mentioned earlier you have a podcast and that you're a storyteller. So why is it that you believe that it's important to teach Spanish through the stories and the history of Latin America? So I think that one of the best ways to grasp a culture is through their stories. That's when you really know how they think, of how they act. I mean, a lot of simple stories, uh, trickster stories, myths, legends, folk tales, they tell you a lot of the way how a culture acts or behaves. And so if you really want to understand the language, you might as well try to first understand who they are. 
plus not only that even not only uh, stories they give you context but they also are a great way for uh, when it comes to practicing i i tell a lot of a lot of times that my english got better by telling stories i was telling stories from from latin america but i was telling them in english but it was through the whole repetition and rehearsing and repeating the stories over and over again that my english got much better i got more confidence i was able to even improvise at times when i was telling the stories whereas before i wouldn't dare to improvise in my script so to me stories is a great tool and is that window or that door that that opens up and tells you uh, if you really want to learn my language come here inside and see my stories uh, leave my stories read my stories first and in your career as a storyteller do you have any favorite stories that you've told because you also have mentioned that you're telling stories from different countries in latin america so not just colombia where you're from so do you have any favorite stories that help you learn about other cultures in latin america Oh yeah, uh, there is a story, La Llorona, or The Weeping Woman. And honestly, I don't have favorite stories, but I'm going to talk about that one just because in Colombia, we, I mean, we of course have our own spooky stories, right? And La Llorona, or The Weeping Woman, is one. And, and I grew up listening about it, and, and I thought it was ours, like La Llorona is Colombian, right? And of course, Mexican people will claim that La Llorona is theirs. That lady, she was born there. The whole story happened there. But the more I was reading, I realized that La Llorona is in many other countries. <laughs> so stories such as that one tells you that Latin Americans, we, we have similarities in many ways. But when you hear the versions of it, you realize that Either she has visited us, and every time she visits a different uh, a different country, a different story happens, or or stories travel the same way we travel, and stories change just as we change, just as our languages change too. So, to me, La Llorona is a great example of Latin American stories that seem to be similar but at the same time are so different i would say at least in 60 percent of the latin american countries there is a version of la llorona i think that's really interesting because it illustrates what i always tell people when they say oh spanish is just spanish right you can if you learn spanish you can go anywhere that speaks spanish and i always say no the culture is different there's different every country and even within countries in different regions um, there are different cultures that impact the language, which goes back to our whole point about, you know, learning about the people is so critically important. And if even just one story can travel and change based on the people who live there, even though they speak the same language, um, it would be naive to think that you could just learn, you know, Spanish grammar and like you would get it right. So I think, you know, you make a really important point about learning about the people through their stories and through their history and, and getting back to your podcast. So your podcast, Tres Cuentos. I know you tell a lot of the stories of Latin America, and it's a bilingual podcast as well. So for anyone out there listening who's looking for some more um, listening practice and also a way to learn about the culture of Latin America. 
Tres Cuentos is a, is a great learning tool. So if you could tell us a little bit about your podcast and how you started it. Tres Cuentos is a bilingual podcast dedicated to the literary and historical narratives of Latin America. Initially, it was a dream that I had for about 10 years. And uh, I grew up listening to this radio program in Colombia hosted by a historian called Diana Uribe. If anybody knows, I mean, she's pretty famous and her podcast is amazing. But she, of course, she tells more like historical things about the world. And uh, But she's great. And so I always thought how cool it, it would be to actually go more in depth with like myths and legends and folktales and then analyze or look at the social or environmental or uh, even political aspects of the stories. So about two years ago, I, I kept bothering, I guess, my husband with the idea that I want to start a podcast. I want to do this. I want to do it. And so he could just, I guess he got tired. And he, one Christmas, he gave me a microphone. He was like, okay, go and do it. At, at that point, I just had no uh, no excuse to not do it because at least I had I had the equipment now, right? So I began uh, telling the stories that I knew, which uh, were like spooky tales and myths and legends. And so the first, uh, I would say the first 15 episodes are are that. And, and the podcast, what I do is I tell a story first and later I analyze different aspects of the story or the culture from where the story comes from. Because to me, it's important that people get more than the story, get uh, understand a little bit more where certain aspects uh, come from. For instance, um, I'll give you an example. When I began telling stories here in the United States, I was telling um, some stories that come from Mexico and those are spooky and they are great. And it was easy for me to tell the stories because there there was a religious aspect uh, linked to the story. And to understand that religious aspect, you have to be Catholic, as simple as that. And you have to be a Latin American Catholic. If you're a Catholic from another part of the world, you might get lost. Or if you're not Latin American, you might get lost. So when I was... Uh, working on the stories I began realizing and when I was telling them that sometimes people uh, would look at me like I didn't get that reference and of course the the reason why they wouldn't is because they were lacking Latin American information context or they were lacking uh, information on you know the, the Catholic or the religious aspects of it it, it was really hard for me in a performance to try to, you know, okay, I just finished the story and let's go into the historical and political or social religious aspects of the story. I mean, no one would stay for that. So I decided to create the podcast to start explaining little, those other things that people at the moment would not understand or, or would take differently, you know, because humans, we, we are prone to judge. We are wired to judge, to to compare that thing that you're giving me right there. You, you compare it with your own experience. And the more experience you have, the more the more flexible or open minded you will be or more receptive, uh, receptive you will be to what I'm saying. But if you your experience is very limited, when I tell you something as different as a spooky tale or a myth, you will have a shock. 
and, and that happened to me because mythology is going into in a way is going into certain uh, challenging certain religious aspects of people and so these days we see mythology as something that is paganism or you know those were sacred stories of those other people and we should respect them and, and they should not even be called myths they are sacred beliefs but today we call it myths and we put it in children books and so we we, we talk about them as if like something foreign so th what i decided to do with the podcast was trying to to expand and give people that extra knowledge or context and from there i hope they'll take it back home and and that will help them a little bit of open their hearts and minds to to embrace other cultures and, and their differences it began like that and about a year ago i got a national grant from the national association of latino arts and cultures and also another grant from alternate roots and with that i decided to kind of grow the podcast a little bit and i decided to venture into more historical and literary works and last year we featured latino authors juan bosch from the dominican republic ruben darío from nicaragua tomas carrasquilla from colombia each episode comes in English and in Spanish. Literary and historical narratives normally gives you that extra knowledge. It, it opens the doors like wide open. You get to expand uh, much more what you know about the culture. I think it's great that you are telling the stories of indigenous people as well. As you mentioned that, you know, now we sort of look at it as, you know, myths, but you're right. I mean, they are sacred stories and, you know, in a, in a pre-Columbian and pre-Christian um, America, there, there were people living there and they did have their own stories to tell. So I really appreciate you mentioning that and really elevating that. And I, it's something I also try to do on this podcast through music and, you know, realizing that music also tells stories and music also reveals a lot of about culture and you can't just sort of you know read a story or read the song lyrics without the context and understanding who are the people who are composing the music who are the people that are telling these stories because that really does give you you know more of the soul of of you know of the culture itself so I think it's a great opportunity for anyone out there who is looking for a better way not just to understand the Spanish language but to also understand uh, the people who speak the language and the history of the places uh, that you might you know want to travel to one day and look at all these beautiful historical sites it'd be awesome if you knew something about the history before you go there so I think this is something that um, is just really critical and I really thank you Carolina for bringing that to a bilingual audience so that um, even monolingual English, English speakers <laughs> will be able to have an appreciation for Latino culture as well and where can folks find um, your podcast if they want to subscribe so the podcast can be found in iTunes Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And uh, it's called Tres Cuentos. You can also find us on Facebook as Tres Cuentos Podcast, um, in Instagram, or you can visit our website, trescuentos.com. Thank you, Carolina, for taking the time to join me on the Learn Spanish Con Salsa podcast. Thank you so much, Tamara, for having me. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Carolina and that you're able to take away a few key points. One, 
never stop learning and never stop making mistakes. And two, make sure that you not only spend time perfecting your grammar and learning new vocabulary, but also that you learn something about Latin America. And especially if there's a particular country that you're interested in, you know, I always encourage you to sort of uh, pick a type of Spanish that you want to learn. So sort of pretend that a family is adopting you and sort of pick that country and sort of delve more into their stories and their culture and their music uh, and their history so that you can know more about the people that speak the Spanish language. Now, don't forget, if you want to win a copy of Carolina's book, Aztec Myths, The Hungry Goddess and the Five Sons, that is a beautifully illustrated book that gives you two Aztec origin stories. Uh, make sure that you share this episode and your favorite takeaway and tag at tres underscore cuentos underscore podcast on Instagram and also tag at learn Spanish con salsa and you'll be eligible to win one of Catalina's books. So make sure that you share that. And as always, I hope that something that you heard in today's episode will take you one step closer from Spanish beginner to bilingual. Hasta la próxima. Thank you for listening to the Learn Spanish con Salsa podcast at LearnSpanishConSalsa.com.